0: story i will tell by a excuse and i'm sure you don't know well An oklahoma tell trading land and dreams going down a river that you can't come back up again
1: welcome to episode 163 of Cowboy shot the podcast my name is ted stoven and my co-host is dustin edwards dustin we've got some heavy news this week in the rodeo community and it's really close to your community. I'll let you uh, speak to it, to it.
2: Yeah, you betcha. You know, really, really heavy hearts uh, in the rodeo community with the loss of Jamie Harden this week, who's uh who is an avid barrel racer and, and a rodeo family. Of course uh, her husband, Josh Harden, a longtime time saddle bronc rider and, and not only involved in rodeo, but a great family as well. They, they got three little kids and, and, uh, yeah, she passed away this past week while down in Arizona. Um, you know, from all accounts doing what they love doing. They've been looked like they've been riding horses and having some good family time with lots of different rodeo people and friends. So, uh, if you didn't know Jamie, she was, uh, she was always fun. She was a bit of a prankster and, and in her, you know, in the friend circles around big Valley was, uh, was always entertaining. And, and, uh, so it hits the, hits that community pretty hard. And, and uh, I had the privilege of being around Jamie my my whole time around Big Valley. And, you know, she did great leather work. I have two of her belts that she did and, and uh, she was always, you know, courteous, courteous with that side of it, with donating to different events and just a really good family. And, and just really thinking about her husband and, and especially the three kids, uh, the two boys and and her daughter. So yeah, really, really thinking about all them this week. And it's uh as you could tell by social media, she had a big impact on our community, and yeah, will certainly be missed. And just devastating news uh, on that side of it.
1: It's uh, Big Valley's had a rough go on a, on a few different things over the years, hasn't it?
2: Well, when you get such a when you get such a tight knit community, and you everybody's so involved in everything, you know, the kids' hockey, the kids in rodeo, um, and and just the the tight knit community that rodeo is already but then you have everybody living within like 30 square miles of each other yeah you know every every rodeo and rope and party um every barrel jackpot it's the same group of people there so it becomes even more tight knit so yeah it's really really tough on on that community and we're yeah just thinking of everybody so
1: well i'm sorry sorry dustin sorry for the whole crew out that way it's never easy and i i feel for for josh and the kids like Gotta raise three kids on his own here now. Like that's he's gonna have a lot of support between his friends and family, but heart goes out yeah, to that he, whole crew.
2: You know, that whole community will be behind him. You know, um their daughter had some medical issues a few years ago and community the really behind them. Yeah. So I expect, you know, we'll see the same. I, I seen that they're gonna start putting together some sort of benefit auction and uh, and stuff like that. So yeah, there'll be, uh, be a be a big community outpouring, I'm sure, to to help get that family through. And and the Hardens are a good crew, and and uh, you know Jamie and her family and her sisters uh, married to Clayton, binding that's Jen, you know. So they're they're all really close knit crew, and they're all going to pick each other up, I'm sure. And we'll see lots of outpouring and support for them.
1: We'll uh, and we'll be in Hannah this weekend uh, for the for the hockey tournament, the usual tournament, and I'm sure there'll be something there where we we'll be able to support. I know noodles noodles, like, uh, has been on the team before, um, Boulder Harden as well. Uh, so, so we'll be, we'll be keeping an eye out and when we have more information, we'll let everybody know. Yeah, you
2: betcha. So the rodeo community, I'm sure will uh, will not let this family down as they don't let anybody down. That's, that's one thing you always see through this is, uh, the rodeo community always rises trying to lift others. So.
1: Absolutely. Well, and, uh, I guess speaking of lifting others or, or maybe like trying not to drop others, Dustin, you uh, repelled out of the ceiling of the saddle dome the other day.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was cool. Um, we had the Calgary tactical team do the opening for the Roughnecks game. They they repelled from the top catwalk, which is right at the roof of the dome.
0: How high? They, uh,
2: I want to say it's about 90 feet.
0: 90 so feet. It,
2: doesn't, it doesn't seem like a lot, but... When you're teetering over the edge of the cow walk, it feels like a lot. Um, and so the tactical team came a day early and they were rehearsing and they said, Hey, do you want to, do you want to try, try like, this no, out? No, 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 I'm good. And I was in my dress shoes. I was in my dress pants. Like I was in the office working and
1: yeah. And they, they did
2: a couple, they did a couple of jumps and, and then they said, well, we're going to wrap up our stuff. Are you sure you don't want to go? And I'm thinking, you know, when am I going to get a chance to do this again? So I said, do you put a harness on me really quick and show me how to run the brake handle? Um, so I don't overthink it. I'll do it. So yeah, they harness me up. I jumped over the ledge and, uh, I had to go almost completely like horizontal and then upside down to get underneath the catwalk so that I could go down. So that was the scary part. I just, I just couldn't hop over and like go down. I had to go, my legs completely straight, my back and then go upside down. So I could swing underneath the catwalk to go down. So that was, really? that was really scary. I was literally looking right up at the roof and then, oh gosh, where I went. So yeah. Thanks to the Calgary tactical team for, uh, let me go down and, uh, a little bit of pee ran down my leg, but all was good,
1: <laughs> man. So how, like, what are the chances that you fall off that thing and you're done? Like you're, well, I,
2: I was thinking about those, those odds. as Ugh. I was dangling. They had a safety line attached to me, but the safety line was attached to the carabiner that I was attached to. So I'm thinking, well, if the carabiner goes, or this harness goes, safety line or not, she's curtains for me.
1: So but, there was a safety line. Like they could have, like, but I think you would have felt line, a certain level.
2: Yeah, the safety line was so that if I, like, F'd up on my little, my little handle there, the little the blade that I, yeah, I rode through. Yeah, the blade that they could keep me from from free running. So Jeez. so essentially like there was nothing that said the carabiner went or the harness went that I was fine. I'd be toast. But, Jeez.
1: Was it was it was it a thrill like were you just totally yeah, took cool. over it? Oh,
2: it man. was cool. Once I got once I started going halfway down there I like braked. I was probably about fifty feet above the floor and I I flipped myself upside down. So I was totally inverted. And then I flipped back up and came down. So it was cool. Once
0: hey. once
2: I got underneath once I got below the Jumbotron, it was it was pretty badass.
1: Holy, that's neat. Then you're like, ah, yeah. oh, it's not that far. It's not that high anymore. Yeah, it's fine.
2: yeah. so check out my Instagram at uh, Trails underscore uh, 88. You can see the whole for the video. Full,
1: for the full video.
2: For the full video, check it out.
1: Check it out on Dustin's OnlyFans.
2: I thought it was full cowboy video. shit, kind of. It was some <laughs> kind of <laughs> Yeah, shit. I'd say. It's crazy shit, cowboy yeah. shit.
1: I'd say but it takes a little bit of courage to go and do that and jump out there. I like Well,
2: you know it's like one of those things like when would you ever have the chance to do it again? So Not often. I don't know how many people have repelled from the Saddle Dome roof, so I thought I'd put my name on the short list.
1: Yeah, why not? Um what else we got, Dustin? You just had a couple games too. Double header. The All-Star weekend you had a couple couple uh couple games at the at the dome.
2: Yeah, two two losses, unfortunately lost by one Friday. It was our Every Child Matters game with uh, with some help from Siksika First Nation so that was really cool Um, yeah we had the Calgary Stampede Princess and Indigenous First Nations Princess come out so we got to host them in the owner's box with uh, some members of uh, Siksika and Sutina and Ryan Strasnitsky from Humboldt Broncos uh, was out so we had a really nice crew there for that game so that was lots of fun and then Saturday we lost 9-7 to the first place team in the league which sucked but all wrapped up, a good doubleheader, and now uh, got two weeks off till we're back again against Halifax. So,
1: Halifax, and then and then, uh, so two weeks is the end of February, and then you've got a trip to Philadelphia in March.
2: Yeah, yeah. So two more home games, and then go to Philadelphia March first. So, going to hit a basketball game. We play a lacrosse game. Going to a uh, Flyers game as well. So,
1: oh dang, three Triple.
2: three sporting events in twenty-four hours. Oh no shit. Yeah, it's going to be really cool. So Wait, so is there, one in the,
1: is there one in the daytime and the next one is like, the next one's so after?
2: the basketball game's 7.30 Friday night. Our game's at 11 a.m. Saturday morning. And then the oh, Flyers play right after us so and they're all in the same building. So No way. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, so it's going to be pretty cool to take that in and
1: check it all out. I'd say so. Holy smokes. Let's talk about what's
2: going on in your world, Teddy. You got a... You've been basking in the sunshine, playing golf, and uh took in some announcers school,
1: yeah, I went to a broadcast and announcing school in fort Worth uh, Just McKee put it on uh had a good couple days down there it was it was solid I learned a lot of i i would say i would say it was great great on the networking side as far as the announcing and broadcast side went like i don't know I don't know a lot about it but i i learned a lot I learned a good couple different things to put to use, and I'm not sure where and when I might use them. It was more so for the broadcast side of things for me, for the show. I was I wanted to think about uh, the podcast side of things. And, you know, there's a couple of things I can do differently on the show. Like I I, sh- I need to make us an intro to talk about what we talk about on the show for those people that might not know about us. You know, we kind of do our little bit beforehand here. And then we get into the interview side of things. And then we do a little bit of a wrap up after. That's kind of the format. But a lot of what I say, a lot of. Oh, I, I don't know. I learned, I learned a lot of good stuff. I enjoyed it. And a lot of good people were in the room too. Uh, world champion Rope Myers was there. Cord McCoy has been on the show before he was there taking the, the broadcast side of things, the announcing, announcing clinic. Um, What else? I met, uh, I met, I met a good crew. I enjoy, I enjoyed it there. So we had, we had a fun, fun couple of days. Did you get to
2: sit up on the desk and do some uh, mock? Yeah.
1: Up yeah. A couple of pieces. Yeah. But I, they were awful. So I don't want anybody to see them because I didn't do a very <laughs> good job
2: that's uh, the stuff you want in the can for uh once you can look back on and
1: yeah do it again right it's a, it's yeah, a lot of reps totally. right the, the thing would be reps to do more of it i haven't done enough of it so anyways you know that was fun and then uh, what else we do Spend been a couple of days in phoenix between then cuz we were kind of there and back after the market in dallas i think we've talked since then though we had a show back on the 24th so we probably talked that week but uh what else? Got a couple Red more trips coming up. Yeah, Red Deer was a great event. Gotta give a shout out to Jake Gardner. Gets the W. He made two really solid rides, one almost ten thousand dollars. I didn't realize that Red Deer was a major, but it was a major event. There was more points awarded there. So huge win for Jake. Uh Jared Parsonage rode two. Cody Covertruck rode two. Chance Switzer made his debut on the PBR's like uh elite series earlier in the year in new york city so we've got to go to madison square garden and ride there didn't have any luck but uh but rode two and red deer and finished second so tyler craig i think probably could have and should have won but he got bucked off in the short round of a bullet he rode at the finals in edmonton last year so great to great start to the sh- event though and uh i gotta give kudos to the, to the whole team and i gotta thank uh, my new buddy bill caverly so bill uh works with with cody Mazzerell. At a lot of the MAZ Entertainment, like a lot of the shows that they end up going on. So Bill's our audio tech on the tour now. So I've got a real audio tech for the first time since like 2017 on our on our main main tour, and it's a breeze having uh, having a guy like Bill on board. So I <laughs> I'm pumped to have Bill on for the for the season. Um, he made my job a whole lot easier, but we and yeah we had I thought we had a great time. It was it was an awesome show,
2: and it looked like a good crowd in Red Deer as well. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it was more than the year before. So that's all we can ask for. Just keep going the right way. Next one, uh, March 1st and 2nd in Lethbridge. Probably I would expect it to be a sellout probably both nights. They usually have huge crowds there. One of our best events of the year is Lethbridge. So looking forward to that next one already, Dustin.
2: Yeah, it's going to be a uh, good. And of course the Canadians are busy down the winter run continues down south.
1: Yeah. Zeke won 2nd um, in Fort Worth. That was a big one. Yeah. I
2: mean, made a couple of big rides with 90 mm-hmm. and 92, I think. So
1: yeah, he,
2: uh, he got some money out of, out of there, a pretty good, pretty good size check. So he's yep. back to doing what Zeke does so well.
1: Zeke things. And then, uh, what else happened? San, San Antonio beyond be on this week. And, and I had, well, you know what we didn't talk about is, is Fort Worth. So, I mean, we, what we should do though, is get to the, get to the interview. So let's get to the interview Yeah, and we'll wrap up with a few things after, after we talk to Judy, but, but Judy Wagner, uh, really enjoyed recording this show. We did it back in Dallas um during the market. We had a free morning, and and I I had wanted to do a show show with Judy over the years. I've known her for a long time. So hope everybody enjoys the uh the interview with Judy. Thanks again for listening, though. My name is Ted Stoven. This is Cowboy Shit. My co-host once again, Dustin Edwards. Thanks for joining us. And uh and thanks for everybody for listening. Once again, if you haven't uh listened to the podcast before, hopefully hopefully you enjoy it and we, we kind of talk to what what would you say to us we talk to different people inside the western world um and they might not have to be totally in it but around it adjacent to it if there's anything to do with cowboy shit or cowgirl shit we can uh we can find a way to to make it relevant hey eh?
2: that's right if, if you uh if there's any way to interconnect it or some degree through six degrees of separation we can pull it in and it's cool shit
1: we can have it <laughs> exactly all right, everybody. Enjoy the show this week.
0: She's wearing an old dress, walking it out, waiting for someone to turn around. But she won't believe you when you fall down on your knees. She fell asleep listening to my friends talking on and on about how the world ends. Then she wakes up and climbs in my front seat. And she said, Don't you wait to try it? Are you scared to find it? And Do you want to take my broken heart? Are you scared to start?
1: All right, we are in Dallas, Texas this week at uh, WESA, and I've got a very special guest. On the show this time around so this is a lady that i've known since well i i didn't meet her in person until probably 2017 18 19 somewhere in there but she's uh she was the director of marketing at montana silversmiths in the year 2000 moved on to the vp of marketing and was the chief marketing, marketing officer at in her last couple of years in the role and uh is just about to move on to uh to a new part as brand ambassador but she's the 2000 and 19 Women of the West Award winner presented by Western Horseman at the first Art of the Cowgirl, which you're going to later this week. Uh, that was back in 2019, but please welcome to the show, Judy Wagner.
3: Thank you very much. It's an honor to be here, Ted.
1: Hey, I'm glad. So we were talking at dinner last night. It was our, uh, our sales meeting yesterday and we we're like wondering what's going on today. And we kind of have a bit of a flex day because our, our booth's on 10, so we're not allowed, or 11, the 11th floor, we're not allowed to even be open yet today. And you had a little bit of time and I was like, hey, Judy, let's we probably should get this podcast done while we uh, while we're in the same room together in the same town.
3: Exactly, we uh, have a lot of share, uh, uh, I guess, experiences, and it's always fun to talk to you.
1: Um, so our first interaction would have been, I knew your name for a long time when I first applied for the pursuit of excellence scholarship that you and Montana, like you created in your role in, as marketing. Uh, well, I guess VP of marketing at the time, or this was director of marketing, director back in of 05. marketing
3: at the time, and I yeah. actually had uh, children who were going to college, and I know I the importance know. of scholarships, and I don't care what that scholarship is, it helps, and uh, so I had a passion for that. I had a passion for youth. I had a passion uh, because of my position at Montana Silversmith to give back. So we created this scholarship we call Pursuit of Excellence, and the thing about it is is it wasn't that you had to be the smartest or who needed it. It's who showed that they were going to try to improve themselves in everyday efforts and what they did with their community and all of that. And uh, I honestly still remember your application. And uh, you you made an impression on me, and it was an honor to give to you. And look at this, where we are today you know, it's 2024 now and where you came. And so I was right. You know, there's diamonds in the rough out there and you're definitely one of them.
1: So are you saying that, uh, that I've been polished up a little bit?
3: You've been polished up a little bit. Yeah. It's fun to watch rough edges, but you you got it guys.
1: That was, uh, are those the rough edges you're speaking of, uh, from my first trip to Denver when I was leg wrestling, shauna yeah. lucas on the floor at the hotel
3: yeah that would probably be or so, one so of them. that was
1: shauna shauna bird my my apologies shauna and Lacey, lacy they both own stores back home and donnie and i were drinking beer and margaritas and we were having a large time
3: see i tell you a few red vouches but you got it you're a diamond in there i'm sure uh, okay but that
1: reminds me though of denver donnie this is kind of off topic but donnie always told me about how much fun the grizzly rose was in denver I and seeing that. like bris uh brooks and dunn on the stage oh and garth brooks before they were even uh big actually asked.
3: i was there there was a yeah. there was a market banquet if you will there very young before he made it big uh i remember they had such great dishes they weren't even paper there they fed us on great dishes there we're in grizzly rose all of a sudden there's this great singer going up there and one of my friends, one of the other, Randy Fitchner, is his name, invited me to go dance. We're dancing, and here's this guy, and he's hanging on the ropes and swinging. I'll be darned what? if it wasn't Garth Brooks on the on the stage. On stage,
1: swinging on a it rope like Carson. He became big. It was really it
3: was awesome. Grizzly Holy Rose was smokes. it.
1: But and then Donnie told me a story about uh, Brooks and Dunn, like performing back there in the day too. Yeah, yeah.
3: I mean, it was that's crazy. It was the place to be. Hmm.
1: And now in Dallas, we're at the the Hilton anatole and this place is
3: a huge massive hey i know you're on one side i'm on the other side
1: yeah that's right there's a whole nother tower over here and we got this crazy room this time that's like probably one of the nicest hotel rooms i've ever
3: Hello. yeah (laughs) it's one of those rooms
1: it pardon it's a good storm says it's a good studio yeah it is um okay so so the i remember i remember applying for the scholarship in 2007 probably. And then I got it in 08 because it's a winter kind of deadline. So I was in school and I would have seen it. I would have seen the advertisement in the high school rodeo. High school times. Yeah. Yes. So the high school rodeo magazine. And I saw the kids that would have won previously. And I think there was a Canadian kid that maybe a Fluelling that won previously. Maybe maybe they I'm remembering that because Tyrell won the national high school finals. Right. So he didn't win the scholarship. Was I one of the first Canadians to to I think you were. Uh,
3: there has always been Canadians that apply. And I always tell everybody, you can't win if you don't enter. Yeah. And that's the thing about it, that it's really important that you do try uh, for these scholarships that are available uh, out there. Uh, but it's been so re- uh, rewarding uh, to present them and, and to see the talent, like I said about you earlier.
1: Uh, I don't. I forget. I think we. I've asked you this before, but who else applied for that and has maybe applied or, or won over the years that that you've seen in in the rodeo or western world? A few years
3: later, it's you know you can catch me off guard here just I'm going in there. there there's people that you there's there's NFR competitors. Um, oh yeah, I guess so, eh? Yeah, that have been there, and so I'm actually like drawing a blank here. On that's you. okay, but uh, like, it's. It's normal people doing normal things there. And as many of them have gone on to be veterinarians. And, you know, it's it's just the seed that we plant some days that come along.
1: And there's a lot of folks now that aren't maybe in the Western world that are applying too.
3: Actually, a lot more that aren't, that yeah. are, because they're out there looking for scholarships. And so I would encourage people that are in the Western world uh, to look at that scholarship.
1: What Was the first time we actually met in person in Denver, like the first I time I went though, there with yeah. Donnie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we're in the sales meeting and uh and Judy starts telling a story about the about the hat feathers which you had created pretty maybe that year maybe a year before it was pretty pretty new I think.
3: Right. Actually the hat feather idea came along uh from an account who uh, wife had lost a pair of earrings and so he stuck a feather earring in his hat and understanding uh-huh. the silver artistry and what Montana silversmiths can do I said We can do that. And that looks really cool. And uh, I then turned that idea into uh, creating the hat feather, but also uh, having the sales of the hat feather help self fund the scholarship. So it was a win win kind of situation. And it has gone on right now. This year, we gave away over $20,000 in scholarships. Holy smokes. So,
1: with the way the scholarship thing works, it's uh, like, is that all saved in a savings account or like a some kind of account that builds some money so that you can give out.
3: It builds money. And, and, and I also want to add that that added in and, um and you with Cowboyish here uh, <laughs> also as a past winner uh, supporting that scholarship. And we couldn't do that enough. And I, I really want to thank you and Storm for what you've did to support that.
1: Well, thanks for giving us the opportunity to, I figured once we got our, uh you know, got our Cowboy shit, stuff in with montana like there you go somehow somehow we have uh buckles with montana right now
3: right which we're smoker really cool. together and and this yeah. is a good example of it
1: well and and when once we got those things going i was like i had an idea one day i don't know what where how it came to me but i was like we should give back part of the proceeds from the montana stuff back to the scholarship that i won so far ago now so long ago now i work with the company like what a full circle
3: right and i just want to share bit. with everybody what that is every time you give it always comes back to you tenfold and. I I got to say there's there's fun in that too you know it's rewarding but there's fun in that as well.
1: It uh and and actually with the with what we've sold so far we've actually directly funded a couple of the scholarships now like yes, at least have. at least a few right so yes, we've sold sold a few buckles to yes. and and we've got the uh the cowgirl cowgirl necklace as well now and uh and a few we've had some dog tags now and there's some more stuff coming this year but Exactly. I thought it was so so fun to be able to to do that. See I told you back.
3: folks he is a diamond in the rough.
1: <laughs> um but yeah, so we got, we had those two pieces, but we finally met. I knew your name, but I never, but I'd never met you before. And I think I'd probably seen you in the arena at the NFR, giving out the the average, like the saddles for the aggregate at the NFR, or maybe a, you know, there's a a Montana night too. Was it? Yeah, Monday night. Yeah, the, is like our sponsor night. Our
3: and uh, had the opportunity to ride the stagecoach into the yeah. ring. I tell you, that's a thrilling thing. I you bet. Know? Yeah. Those people back in the day when they rode on the stage not an easy ride, but <laughs> yeah. I gotta tell you what a thread thrill, thrill it is to come down that alleyway. So
1: I think one of the next pieces we should really start with though is uh well I guess I don't know, where should we go first? Should we go all the way back to to should we go back to Gator? Or should we start with more of the NFR stuff and Miss Radio America and like where should we go first with this?
3: Yeah. Let's let's stay at NFR, and okay. then we'll, we'll go to my past we'll life there a little a bit. Yeah. Um, it's been quite an honor. Uh, we were first, uh, one of the first sponsorships that we did is about the time I came to Montana Silversmith was in 2000, just building relationships, working with the PRCA, and growing that has been quite the honor. Also, uh, Miss Rodeo America was another one of the first ones that we did, again, investing in to the talent um, that is out there has kind of been a thing of mine and I've I've kind of taken it to a different step especially with young women or young talent out there the mentorship so we can build and um, some of the young women or young men as yourself right now are truly becoming some of my best friends right now just because of those relationships and
1: and the one of the first things you mentioned is is actually sponsoring Miss Rodeo America and it was there was always Montana jewelry on the Miss Radio America contestants and winners and and different state um state queens I guess right. you say right
3: We uh we bring them up uh actually I didn't really know what I was doing at the time but brought them up uh to introduce them to Montana Silversmith, uh, let them know the people behind the product, exactly what they were wearing so that they could tell that story better. Because they're really ambassadors, not only for the rodeo PRCA, but also for sponsorships that are out there. So we did that and use them in our advertising course now uh, where we are with digital mar- marketing, it's way more expanded. And so it's been a huge success for us.
1: And when did Montana begin working with the PRCA? In
3: 2000. In 2000. 1999, 2000 was the trade.
1: And was that when Montana took over the world champion buckles? Yes,
3: it was. We have been making the gold buckles uh, for the PRCA since 2000.
1: And was that something that you helped implement?
3: Yes, uh, there was myself, uh, Steve Miller at the time, and uh, just working with a lot of great people there. And of course, the team at Montana, we wanted to make the absolute best most prestigious buckle you can have there and hopefully you see that okay, in um you know we like to say every buckle has a story and definitely that prca gold buckle is a great story
1: the and they're like i don't know what they're actually worth but i I've, I've heard different numbers between like sixteen thousand and forty thousand dollars but but they're technically priceless that's the that's the line i've been getting that is the
3: just, line and of course right? you know it's it's the cost and uh, precious metals and all yeah. of that right now it's a commodity out there but it truly is priceless
1: the uh, so since two thousand, who who made them before? Was it a was it Gist before? Or was it some other maker? Or who
3: would no ADM? Them?
1: ADM? Who was ADM?
3: It was another company out there. Gist did it oh, really? way way in the back, and then it was yeah. ADM that had it there. So. And
1: who who was it? Who was ADM? Then, I don't even know who that was. It were they a buckle company be, or yeah, they company were a buckle
3: company. and oh, really? We ended up purchasing that company, to oh, really? helped facilitate the initial steps.
1: Oh really? Interesting. Um. Talk about that design, the buckle design. That thing hasn't really changed. Even the figure on the bull riding buckle is still the same as it was in the 60s.
3: Yes, none of it has changed. We didn't change. We protected the integrity of it, just facilitated the artistry uh, with our Montana silversmith artists, designers, and engravers.
1: ADM wasn't like a war design. Yes. It was a war design. Oh, really? Yes. So I have a buckle that's an Alberta cast buckle. That says award design on it. It says Calgary. They weren't somehow did they have manufacturing in in Calgary or how would they have done that?
3: I am not sure about not that. Sure. I don't believe they did, but they might have oh. just uh, customized it for that.
1: Oh, really interesting. Yes. it looked like it was made in Canada, like that a factory up here or Maybe. something. It was kind of interesting. But um, but that yeah that design and now and now so uh, Justin. Justin, I don't know what his last name is right now. I'm, Deacon. I'm blanking. Yeah, Justin Deacon. Yes. So, Justin is one of the master silversmiths that's behind these buckles. And if, if you've seen anything about the world champion buckles, you've seen what Justin, uh, his work. But these things are like seeing them up close. If you've never seen them up close, like take some time sometime if you got to go to the Trevor Brazil exhibit. No
3: later for talk. To take a photo of it,
1: yeah, that's that justifies. That doesn't
3: justify, and I can tell you firsthand that when you look at them, it will take your breath away. Mm -hmm. It is that kind of beauty.
1: For for and especially if you're any kind of rodeo fan, there, it's something that
3: there's nothing like it, right? Absolutely.
1: Um, sorry. Where is that at now? Okay, so we've got the world champion buckles with Montana Silversmiths, and that's a, um, with the war. So ADM was award design manufacturing, or, or would they That's what it would have been. So take that over, and still the gold buckles. You know, still making the gold buckles in 2023. There's probably a deal for moving forward. I'm imagining we don't have to talk about specifics, but, but uh, the but the sponsorship. So it's partially product in providing the go round buckles and the stock awards and the year end awards and the, some of the circuit finals awards, maybe not all the circuit finals, but most of them are
3: most of them. Most uh, of them? We do that. It's all upward up there. And, um, or all of them, all of the circuit finals, uh, those awards will come from Montana silversmith and so much more. It's about relationships. It's about opportunity is how you use buckles. It's not just for the awards, but they can, uh, committees as well as, as, um, you know, even sponsors can utilize buckles for all sorts of things as revenue sources and all of that. So it's so much more in its relationships and it's just building together uh for whatever the vision is of who our customers are at that time.
1: The uh uh what am I trying to say here? The the buckle side of things, though, I've always been so interested in that and, and having won a couple over the years, like not a lot, but the the PBR is a big side of the of the marketing side that you've, that you've done and you've seen the PBR in your role with Montana from the year 2000. And I don't, and I know there was some Jeffrey Scott years in there from like, who probably like early to mid two thousands, like Oh, two to Oh eight or so. Right. I'm thinking, but
3: we were part of uh, PBR kind of in the early days, um, and yep. out again, and then back again. And it's very strong with our relationship with the PBR, uh, A uh, Super to build uh, the beautiful championship buckles and so much more with them, and we've also done their team championship buckles, uh, yeah. the the large twenty four inch one, and so there's there's a lot more to come with PBR and where that's going as well.
1: So what about what about seeing that over the years though, going from the early days and and you probably made a deal with Randy Bernard originally?
3: It, initially, yes. Right. And then with Sean, but it's been great. And again, it's it's building on those relationships, working together for common goals. And um it's really coming to fruition now. It's it's quite gratifying.
1: The uh the the world the PBR world champion buckles, those have those have changed a little bit over the years. So is there any story to that really? Is that a PBR? Side That's of things.
3: Uh, directed by PBR, of course, yeah. Callie Adams, who uh, facilitates that as the director here for Montana Silversmith. Uh, but just working together uh, for what they want.
1: Interesting. It's uh, it's definitely different. Like I I uh, I love the PRC World Champion buckles; those are iconic. And the and the PBR side of things, like it is a major. It's well, it's one of the other major world titles. But but that buckle isn't isn't quite isn't quite the same. I don't know if they're. I don't know. I don't know how to how to explain it, but it's just different, right?
3: It yeah. Uh, um,
1: doesn't have the history yet. It's only what is it? Only uh, thirty-one years old. Where right? Scarcey is. is what it's been around but for it's seventy years.
3: Visionary. I want to say you know that I like to say sometimes you know we're thinking outside the buckle. I think that's what the PBR does. They
1: thinking outside we're the buckle. Thinking
3: outside the buckle. So they're Coming up they've with got the right the, things. They've there got go. the
1: cup, I guess too. Yeah. Eh? The the world champion cup. Um, I think we should go to. Is there anything else on the Montana side of things? Like. That we want to really get to? Um, there's so many other things that we could talk about. Like we already talked about the hat feathers a little bit, but the display box. That that's actually something that we had on in our notes here that yes. Something that you created really, in your year. I'm years. really
3: proud of the display box at the yeah. time, you know, we just had normal packaging and and that that those buckles, they need something really great. Uh there's an author out there by the name of Seth Godin and uh it's called Free Prize Inside. And I read that book and it's like when you have a good idea, and you take your good idea and then you just keep pushing it, you know. It's like putting something on the edge of the table and you just keep pushing that idea until it falls. And that's what I did with the packaging. I'm going, what else can we do? So we came up with, our, came up with the the shadow box to put that in. And I'm going, every champion's going to hold that up. What are you going to see that buckle? And uh, it's been um, a source of pride then for a long time. So in the early 2000 came up with that idea. And mm-hmm. of course there's Elmer. I don't know if anybody's been around with Montana for a while. We had a <laughs> lifestyle line And uh, Elmer was the mascot. That was the very first thing I was asked to do as a director of marketing here, come to Denver Market and showcase during the style show, Montana Silversmith products. We were doing bits and spurs at that time and lifestyle products. And how am I going to do that on a runway with some models? So I decided, well, of course, Elmer. So I uh, actually went online. First amount of money I ever spent at Montana was buying the mascot Elmer. And I had the president at the time, Dennis Pottsman, say, you're either going to be a hero or you're going to be fired. And I was one nervous lady. So I decided, <laughs> okay, I'm going to model Elmer. So I actually was Elmer on the runway. And I hired uh, two models that kind of dressed like... Um, maids if you will and they were pushing the cart so we were holding the bits and spurs we had lifestyle products on there elmer went out there and danced in uh, the rest is history he was he was a huge great mascot for many years
1: and and was on like christmas ornaments and on like he every was, box like elmer was the montana horse like he's he's a horse
3: yes elmer the horse, horse of course yeah yeah and yeah. uh you know horses rule and uh we had a lot of fun with elmer
1: so how did how did you ever get hired to be the marketing Direct, the Director of marketing at Montana. Like, how, how what did you do before that? We could before t- that, I, before I, that,
3: I owned a rope company. Yeah. It was, it was, my husband was always, uh, or he was a sales rep in the Alvin. industry. Yes, Alvin. Yeah. And not a- uh, a- and
1: American Hat and who else?
3: He was Crate Saddles. Uh, yeah. He was Stetson Hats in no? the early days. And uh, which is Hat Co. Or no, Stetson's its own thing. Stetson was its own thing yeah. back then. Um, and Hat Co's and, Resist All. Yes, and yeah. then and then they paired up. It I see, came that, and um, so it was it was that and um, he, he was out. One of his partners said, "Hey, how would Judy like to start a rope company?" And uh, so basically, did I. I grew up on a ranch. Um, actually, didn't know that much about ropes. My that my idea was a rope was grab something out of the barn. It was a seven sixteen scat, and that was probably it. And go rope. And um, uh, I remember uh, we had. Uh, Mike Beers and Dee Pickett roping schools at our house a lot. And uh, they were helping me with roping. The very next year, I was walking around or riding around the arena with them. And Mike says, so what are you doing, Judy? And I go, I guess I I'm going to start a rope company. He goes, you didn't even know what different size rope you're doing. I go, yeah, but uh, I, I have a passion and that's what I'm going to do right now. So I started the rope company and really Gator, it was Gator Ropes. Gator Ropes. Yeah. And what? it actually started, and the name come from, uh, we were sitting in a, in a bar in Dill and trying to decide if we were going to have a green rope, what was green, and that's how Gator came about to be. But the beauty of it, we found a little mascot was a, a rubberized, um, actually a that we used to depict the lays of the rope. So we had pink gators, green gators, yellow gators, and I used to tell people, I said, the ropes are free, but that gator's going to cost you, and people loved them. <laughs>
1: So you said it was a little, uh, you said eraser?
3: It was an eraser.
1: Eraser. Oh, like E-racer. a pencil eraser.
3: Yes. Oh, no way. Yeah, I e- used to you- torture my kids and make it punch holes in it so we could put the chains oh, out of the no way on it. Yeah. <laughs> but the beauty of it was I could look at my racks and tell how many head ropes I had, soft, medium, softs or whatever, how many heel ropes, just by looking at the colors of the gators.
1: Oh, really? Dang. So where did you get the gators from?
3: They were um, just online somewhere that I really? found them and went oh, with way. it
1: yeah <laughs> uh, Ah. okay so gator ropes is started like i think you told me uh 80 1988 1989 somewhere mm-hmm. in there yeah and so that was kind of so but before that though you grew up and you said you're the oldest of eight
3: kids oldest of eight on a ranch in avon montana so technically a- i'm a real live avon lady a- <laughs> a- avon montana and Kate, okay, where I don't know
1: where that town is. That sounds like a smaller one that I haven't been to. Yeah,
3: it yet. is. It's west of Helena, the uh, okay. capital. um
1: capital. Yep. Kind of up in the hills a little bit almost, or yes, it down is. by the river there?
3: Yeah, it's up in the hills. Yeah.
1: Yep. On the Look
3: Mountain is up there.
1: Is it on the like
3: Avon Elks? That's the name of the school. Main,
1: name of the school. Is it is it close by like where you take the fifteen when we're going down, like going south? And, Mo- Missoula. Um or towards Missoula. Oh West West. that's oh. another way to go, oh okay, I got you okay is that is that off the ninety then is that right yeah. instead of the fifteen or is it not interstate don't it's know. interstate but interstate okay, I don't know I don't so Avon so and you're the oldest of eight and uh a bunch of brothers and sisters,
3: yep, yeah, I have eight brothers and sisters, and when I was sixteen years old, uh unfortunately, my father was killed in a tractor accident, and um that was in a uh, December and um we grew up fast. I that's where my marketing, I guess, sense came from. You know, the cows don't know it's Christmas. Um, I call it ranch grown logic. You know, it's just common sense. How do we do what we need to do when we need to do it? That's and, where it came from.
1: And so and then ranch grown logic turned into ranch girl
3: logic after a while. too. I know, it's just still ranch grown logic. Ranch grown? <laughs> I, I, I talk about it all the time. You know, like if I have a meeting at Work or whatever. Let's circle the wagons, and I will bring people in. So it's I use my ranch life, uh my cowgirl life, in my daily
1: work. New daily work. Yeah. Um. So so Gator starts in '88. You got a partner that you're working on on things with. Um. How does it start? What do you buy? What do you build? What do you sell? How does it get going? What's uh, the launch?
3: That was that was so fun. <clears throat> the. Rope buddies were actually spun in Texas. They were sent to uh, Oklahoma at that time and tied. Then they were shipped to my garage, and I would push them out and push them, uh, going that. And then eventually, <clears throat> we changed all that, and it grew uh, big enough that we moved out of it. And at one time, had up to nine employees there working for Gator.
1: And where was that at? Where did you? That was in Helena,
3: that? Montana. In
1: Helena, mm-hmm. and did you live? Uh, that was you were still in Avon at the time then.
3: No, I lived at Helena then. Oh, at Helena, Helena and I moved there.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. And the and so uh you're selling ropes and selling them is it mostly like direct to consumer are you selling It was like, both. I yeah, uh, I learned
3: well. uh you know to uh after go into markets and stuff so I would showcase my wares at Denver market and I would learn um, though earlier, uh, by going to like the high school finals, because the yeah. high school kids would tell us what they liked. I was able then, or going into the NFR, I was able then to go to Dallas and tell stores, this is going to sell, this is not going to sell. I used my kids for research, which caps were going to sell, which wasn't. So that was you my You said you sold more caps than ropes, Right? Yeah. I did at one point. I yeah. sold, I sold more caps than I sold ropes. Holy.
1: Um, so you're going, but, but you had talked about a story yesterday that you had a rope can in somebody else's showroom originally in Denver. Is that is that right? Is that how some of that started? Before yeah, you your I, just started,
3: I just started, brought my ropes into, uh, actually it was crate saddles. And that's where I showed my uh, uh, products to uh, different retailers across the United States. Dang. I actually exported a lot to Canada and Canada yeah. was one of my best customers yeah
1: and it'd be in it well closer closer on shipping a lot of the stuff we sell yeah. sh- sell and ship now it's cheaper to s- ship it to the U.S. Right. than it is in canada yeah yeah it costs me more to ship to ontario than arkansas there you go it's wild yeah um so so gator uh you take it and run it for uh for 10 years but start the you you had the gator team you mentioned to me earlier i did team
3: i started a gator team i i partnered um with a uh, artist, um, cowboy, uh, went to the NFR, uh, won some championships there, Wally Badgett. And he drew the Gator team for me. So I had oh, Jake really? Barnes, he was he was part of it. I had Clay O'Brien Cooper, uh, Speedy Williams. And um, we were all just young back then, you know, it was, it was simple, but they called me. I remember Jake called me and he said, you know, I'd like to be on your team. My first ad was in the Roper Sports News in California, Okay. and uh, that's where he heard about it, and um, the rest, I guess, is history. I was, like, taking care of, um, the, I don't know, growing up together and, and and watching the industry grow from now. It's really changed from back then, but it was a great opportunity.
1: And so, was that one of the first kind of rodeo teams that there was in the industry? It was the was, gator team is that right
3: it was actually and i, I I'm believe just assuming
1: but i don't, I don't know is i believe that there was
3: there was a calf roper he lost his life in the in the car wreck sean mcmillan uh that uh, actually went to the nfr and i remember putting my logo on him and i believe i never saw anybody else it wasn't big and bold but it was on there so it was oh, really? it was there
1: like one of the first sponsorships is that what you're mm-hmm. saying really yeah, ever at the finals? Yeah, and that what what year would that been like early nineties?
3: Yeah, I was yeah early nineties, and I was thinking really? that in there, going ah, or really? or even how, even how we uh you know merchandised or marketed our products like probably one of the first to do uh gift packs for kids and really yeah, focus on that. kids. Um, what I liked about the industry right then is some of my friends were uh competitors, you know, uh, Paul Sullivan or Ken Bray. Uh, Kurt Matthews owning and and pushing out other ropes and like and like really uh, I guess sharpening each other and and yet being friends at the same time and it was quite the relationship back then.
1: What who which company was he with? Which one? Um, you said Kurt.
3: Kurt Matthews.
1: Which did he? He had a rope company as well.
3: Yes. Can't remember.
1: Don't remember. <laughs> but is this yeah. like like now the big rope companies are like Classic and Cactus, Cactus. and mm-hmm. yeah. So was it one of like some of those guys that yes. started those companies yes oh really yes. and you guys were all friends in the yes. same industry
3: like really? Paul Sullivan with Rattler and, and, and Ken Bray with with Classic and we were all friends
1: and all but all had different competing competing companies mm-hmm. I feels like maybe that's not the same now it's, no, the, I, it's I, a bit the bigger
3: you know I I would still call them all my friends and you know like like I said you know steel sharpest steel and I think what made us better mm-hmm. and not cutthroat but better.
1: All and made everybody better. Right. And then they obviously there's a huge Cactus team now and right. and lots of classic sponsored athletes so like it's it's huge and Cactus is into the right. saddle business now as well, right? Like right. they're it doing a bunch of different stuff. Yeah. So you mentioned a- alligator. I don't know I don't know the story here.
3: Oh, so Alligator. I was I was actually going around marketing you know those Indians that talk to you outside of buildings or stuff like, Yeah. So I had alligator created i created this crate and then I put this alligator on talk that would talk to you and it was actually I named him after my husband, which is Alvin Earl Wagner, so that's where the name come al e Gator so al. Uh I could talk to kids as they were walking by. So I'd have high school kid put a mic on. So some kid would be walking by and I'm say, "So oh, you think you're a big cowboy? And he would talk to the kids and just have fun. And I guess that's what I learned in marketing to different demographics. Like when you go to the high school finals or you go, who's your customer? How do you talk to them? We had fun. We got down and we played games with it. We had roping, but we had this. We had alligator talking. When you went to NFR, it was different. You elevated it and you spoke to those people buying gifts where you want to go. So it was all different. And it was self-taught, self-learned as you went, you know, made a few mistakes in the day. My very first trade show uh, started back, uh, trade shows at the NFR started at the Tropicana first and then went to Cashman. The very first year at Cashman, I decided, ah, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to build this christmas tree rack and i'm going to put wreaths on them i'm going to take a rope and i'm going to cover it in evergreens and add christmas ornaments to it and that way they know it could be like a twofer never sold to one of them sold no. every rope i took there i was out in the parking lot cutting off the evergreens and selling ropes after them. oh really so you're going to make a few mistakes out there but huh. don't be afraid to throw spaghetti on the wall and see what lands
1: so so you actually ran out of product at the nfr at the trade show And that, what year would that have been?
3: Very first, very first year. Like that's where I knew that we would hit the mark, uh, that we were speaking to the customer, we were actually creating products that they valued, and that meant then I went to uh, Denver that next month. I knew exactly what was selling, what what the customer was resonant with, and I could tell the the retailers that.
1: So was that like eighty, eight, eighty-nine, ninety? Like which, like right in the beginning? Yeah, right in there. Oh wow! So when you ran out of stuff, what did you do? Did you start taking orders? Yeah, we
3: taking paper. orders. And yeah, I, one, time a I, or what? one time I one <clears> time <throat> I ran out of jackets and just called a. Um, this was several years later, uh, and I had really good vendor partners that would jump in from the cap, the guys that made our caps to the jackets, made sure your relationships are good, and they helped me when I ran out of inventory. Oh, you know that.
1: That's wild. The uh, so I'm trying to think of where to go next. So. You had a story, though, too, about shipping ropes to Brazil, which which for us now, like even for me, like we have uh, we've been pretty good on the AR side of things and the terms are reasonable. But uh, but I can't imagine sending something to Brazil at this point, like it anything online now is paid for before it leaves.
3: Right. But you, you asked me about it and I like. Still, I look back and I I really don't know how I did some of that back yeah. then, and I can't re- I remember all of it. <laughs> uh, but I'm thinking, man, this is this is so awesome. Like I'm I'm pretty sure at that time we were one of the largest exporters to Brazil. That I have to tell you was a was a mistake. I put all my eggs in one basket there. Yeah. From where I was as a small business, there, I would have preferred and should have. Uh, stayed uh, with my bread and butter being, you know, the dozen ropes here, dozen ropes there, four dozen, however you're going to do it to your stores and keep that cash flow going like that. So I made a lot of mistakes as I was growing and learning there. So I guess that would be uh, my suggestion to uh, young uh, entrepreneurs out there. I wanting to go really um, to understand your business, to get mentors that can have help you and to and to ask there's a lot of great people out there that will help you but you got to ask and and they're out there to to share what they've learned and be able to give you a helping hand if you will uh with your own business and vision and dreams
1: so so with the brazil side of things like you'd be shipping i don't know like if you're saying four dozen is a smaller order at home you're sending yeah it was hundreds of ropes Yeah, you would US.
3: it was it was a mistake
1: and then and then they sent you money by a transfer but like right. you've got like
3: caught uh, up for a while yeah like yeah. and you
1: get cash poor unfortunately right. and it gets right. dodgy where you can't can't pay the bills because they owe you a 100 grand right out of brazil and you can't just call up and say hey i need my money now right right geez i know yeah interesting so you're on the on that side of it. But you even told me you, you were selling stuff to like to Lamleys. Like you had a, you told sold a bunch of stuff up our way too.
3: Oh, I did. They were probably about the most caps of anybody. Oh really? Yeah. Huh.
1: Dang. And then and then you would have sold to a lot of the other Canadian folks over the years. Like I between did.
3: lots of friends across the
1: Yeah. Yeah, because it would be the Jones Boys crew and then Absolutely. And then Alvin even he still sells hats to them he now. He still sells American hats, yeah. And and Lacey and uh in Lethbridge as well, probably, and I bet Keddies and a bunch of and the cow towns, like a bunch of different folks over there. Yeah, over great here. friends. Yeah.
3: Great friends of Montana and great friends of ours for a long Absolutely. time. Absolutely.
1: So I guess what what happens with Gator? Where does it go? What uh you know, how do you end up at Montana?
3: Um, you know, business trying to figure out you know, just the struggles. A business, making sure there's enough profit margin to keep going, doing some of that. And I guess that's where I suggested, I couldn't talk for it for a long time, but it's, that's really understand your business and where you're going to go. Tried to find some partners, ended up selling it back to my original uh, partner to begin with. And then I was kind of like, ah, what am I going to do when I grow up? And being in the industry, basically, I think people watching you with a little bit of sweat labor and whatever had an opportunity to go to Montana. And that was like, like a wonderful thing to be, to be still in Montana, to be in the industry and to be able to take my relationships with me and to facilitate that with Montana. And the rest, I guess, is history. And I think everything happens for a reason. Maybe I was supposed to, you know, kind of cut my teeth on Gator and then get ready for Montana.
1: Uh, There's one other story, though, about Gator uh, and phone etiquette.
3: Oh yes. Yeah. So remember when I told you, like I started in my house and I had the office in the in the phone and or in my basement. And I I'd gone to town, gone to the bank. My sister was there with me. I come back. I was feeling good. The sun was shining. Phone rings. The guy on the other end of the phone says hello, and he was wanting some ropes. And he, I don't know, right away, it was just kind of had just a little bit of an attitude, but I wasn't too sure anyhow. He says, "Tell me about your rope," and I said. Well, you got headhunters, we got tailgaters, and I was telling him all about the ropes and what I thought. And and uh, anyhow, he comes back. He he still was like not really buying all of it, you know. And he says, "Okay, I'll take three head ropes and three heel ropes." I go, "Okay, great." So I went to write it down. Now Everything's by hand now. There's no computer. There's yeah. no anything. You know, some writing. Three this is head ropes. early mid '90s, <laughs> right? And so I said, "Oh." All right, and your name please. And he says, This is George Strait. And I went, Yeah, and I'm Tanya Tucker. And he went, No, this is George Strait. So um he did never you... called back and I never shared that deal. But yeah, that's oh, really? that, I, I learned that.
1: Did you sell him some robes or no? Yeah. Six. You did. Yeah, you sold it? Him... Yeah. But he never ordered again? No. Oh no. <laughs> did you and you charge them for him? Of course. Yeah.
3: Yeah. That that was another thing. No, I shouldn't
1: have. I oh know. really? Did you not recognize his voice?
3: No. Remember, I'm coming off of uh, sunshine and feeling good, and I was yes. just listening, and so, yeah, that was a oops.
1: <laughs> oh, man. What, how would you have done that differently, looking back, if you could do a do-over? How would you have redone the uh, the George Strait rope order?
3: You know, I'd, I'd have probably just laughed at myself and made it a joke and, and, and tried to talk about it. Oh, my gosh, you just took me away, and... And try to build a relationship there. I think that's where it's at. Not so much there, but about his roping and getting serious and just telling him, you know, like, man, I just was out and I'm, you know, just talking to him real. yeah, that's that's where I think you need to go. Just be you.
1: So so there there didn't end up being a relationship like that could have been. That could've been like a bit of a turning point,
3: yeah. Right? right? I could've, would've, should've. Like, damn, <laughs> I know, right? Oh man, swing and a miss. Well, and he and
1: he had his rope in for years too. And like, I know, I know, yeah. but and so was we, he just we been... had
3: buckles for his rope, and We did all of oh, that. Oh, you did, yeah, that's he, right. Yeah, so like, it was crazy.
1: Yeah, but yeah. did you run into him again ever and tell him the story? Or like,
3: oh, I ran into him several times, but yeah. I never told him.
1: Oh, really? No. Oh no way.
3: I, I probably should've. I wish that but I was. Yeah.
1: Oh man, that's a that's a that's a funny story though. Yeah, like it is. Geez. Now I probably can. Yeah. It's Holy. like things
3: you can't talk about, you know, for a while. That's okay, let's like,
1: okay, it's fine now. Yeah, um, so George Strait, So there had to be some other uh fun stories along the way, though. Like, and you, you mentioned like Speed and and Clay and Jake, like, these guys are like, I guess, did Speed and uh and um and Rich win the world in the early 2000s, or was it when they were using your ropes?
3: Yeah, they were using our ropes and they were, Jake yeah. and Clay when they were going out, they were using the ropes, like. My heart would stop. They go out there like, "Oh man, that's the rope deal." You know what are they yeah. doing? Uh, um, speedy, uh, you know, like the headhunter. Um, and uh, so that's just. It was, you know, they're friends now. It's, it's family. Hmm.
1: The, the, uh, the other thing you'd mentioned is that you guys kind of created the, like, did did you create the thirty-two foot head rope? Is that is that right?
3: That was part of it. Yes, of it? because I remembered Jake telling us you don't. You don't quit till you're in the catch pen, you know, so we lengthened the um the head rope at that time normally was thirty to thirty two feet uh, put dyes in different ropes and colors and experiment with that uh, uh came out with a whole plethora of names, you know the rawhide gator um actually named after um I, or or for a rope I got bucked off in the Brandon pin and broke my femur midway into this got light lighted so Wally Badgett I was telling you about before that drew it, he drew a a cowgirl riding, getting bucked off in the deal, and that was the rawhide gator. So I kind of made fun of myself and <laughs> had a little fun, and every, everything had a personality.
1: Oh, really? And, and those stories help you market the ropes, where, like for us, we had different hats, and we're naming them by different towns, and we're yes. trying to put a story to... Otherwise, because otherwise it's just stuff like, no, it's just, There was,
3: it was a green rope or it's, it's a rope rope, you yeah know, whatever that is, but no, that's a headhunter. That's a tailgater. That's an El gator. They all had personalities. They all had a different feel and you can kind of identify with them that way.
1: Yeah. And, and the customer identifies with them. That Absolutely. Way. Yeah.
3: And what's wrong with having a little fun?
1: That's true. Eh? Yeah. And I've noticed this vest over here that we got yesterday. They call that the Calgary.
3: There you go. Yeah.
1: From STS. I thought that was oh, kind of interesting, nice. right? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> of course, it's the one with the sheepskin that looks the warmest. Um, okay, so now we're at Montana, but we're going back. Uh, there's like, I guess the same strain of conversation would be the new product development at Montana, going from Gator with the different ropes and the different names and whatnot to creating new products with Montana and all the different pieces you would make in the and in the collections. And there's so many different stories behind all the pieces.
3: Right. And it it's kind of the same thing to create products that people value. And that's the magic of Montana Silversmith mostly is the personal ties, the you know, that you gave me a gift or that I gave you a gift or I won this buckle. They all have some memory tied to it. That's the magic. And for us to create products that are you know pushing you know a fashion trend, but also staying true to who we are with our silver artistry things that matter and then um creating them so that our retail partners and consumers alike can enjoy them and appreciate them for a lifetimes.
1: what are some of the favorite pieces you've created over the year or maybe maybe you haven't created but but maybe or maybe you have I guess but what are some of the favorites over the years
3: um I love the feather uh, yeah the story with uh, with the uh, you know, the hat feather and where we went, um, a little bit of bling, you know, as a, as a woman, you can't, um, you can't, uh, take away with that. But I also love, you know, like what you said about looking at the gold buckle, our silver artistry is really second to none. Even this piece that I have on here, the cuts that are on the outside of this concho will catch the light and will catch somebody's attention. And, 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 it's that kind of thing, the compliments you get from wearing it. You remember that? And it's 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 a thing, you know? You just like that. And it's it's like uh I've had people tell us, you know, jewelry, do you put do you pick an outfit, you know, to match your jewelry or do you put it on like it's a personal approach, but it's how it makes you feel. It completes you. That's it.
1: The I get I gotta ask about uh Amber Lee Snyder and the and the cowboy angel like the pin.
3: Yes. Uh, I love that story. I actually visited with Amberlee. We were we were at Dallas when the NFR was there and we were during the gu- buckle presentation. We had this great conversation. We started talking about it and and she she shared that her mother had given her a cowboy angel um uh, before her accident one time she says I lost it or whatever and she said, "You know, I'd really like that again." And I said, "Why don't we create another one for you?" So we created the cow uh boy angel, the Amberlee one, and she wears it in her hat. And I, I really I really think it's one of those tried-in-true places, you know, or uh, pieces that will last forever. But what's great about the partnership with Amber Lee and the license that we have there is not only that she's a competitive uh, bow racer now and what she does there, but how she helps people, the motivational speaking that she does across the country, and just the association with people. So it's more than that being an, an angel. It's what stands behind it, how it makes you feel, how it inspires you, and-
1: uplifts you there there's and she's not the only uh uh what would i say not necessarily like i don't want to say endorsee, but it's a it's a licensee where dale brisby has a bunch of stuff uh chris kyle is uh his his wife taya um coffee again, anderson coffee anderson's a big uh part of it now with the with it's the american Bait collection mm-hmm. um but but the brisbee thing we gotta talk about we gotta talk about Dale for a while and and the that's, stuff he's, he's that's built. so
3: fun I actually walked up to him in Denver once and said man you know how would you like to license a product I'm sure he thought all right lady so we had a relationship kind of texting back and forth and started building on it and and really make some great buckles for Dale but it was it was uh, year before last uh, Dale called me and he goes hey I'm thinking I'd like like a big buckle. I said, You deserve a big buckle. I mean, you're the world's greatest, you know. So <laughs> the team got together when we uh and we're talking about Justin and and the team, and we're putting together all the NFR buckles, all of the gold buckles, and we also made a beautiful a custom, uh, engraved, uh, sterling buckle for the greatest of all time. Mr. Dale Brisbane presented it to him at NFR. Super fun. He wears it around. I don't know how, uh, but it's like, it's iconic and it's part of him uh, where he's going. And this year we gave him a big old bolo that said rodeo time. It's time to go with it. So super fun, uh, individual and, and great partner.
1: The, uh, for reference, the Dale, Dale Brisby's buckle is somewhere between uh, actual world champion size and uh, PBR team's yeah. size. It's right there. It's for reference. It's almost as wide as his entire hips. Yeah. Uh, so it's probably about a foot, almost a foot across. Yeah, no. that's quite the rig. I got to go back to the ranch grown logic side of things. And I need I need more on that story.
3: You know, um, uh, I use it a lot in in my marketing and, and how I approach it. And I remember this one story I'd like to share with you. Uh my brothers used to have ranches over there. And I was at my brother Joe's um
1: Over there where?
3: Um in Avon. By Sorry. Avon. Yeah, in Avon okay, and, and
1: and we just got a uh, sidebar too. Your nephew's Ty Erickson.
3: My nephew's Ty Erickson, yeah, world champion. That's yeah. That's what's like um one of the greatest things. Just segueing a little bit back there, you know, it's all tying together. But when he was young and I had gator ropes, you know, like he was in the boxes there, I made him punch gators, and then I had the opportunity to hand him a gold buckle, and like literally, I had one. Eye, I had a tear coming down, it, and I'm just smiling so much. I mean, who gets to do that? And I know what it took for him to achieve that gold buckle. I also know what it took for Montana Silversmiths to create that gold buckle. It was a pinnacle of my um career to hand him that buckle.
1: And uh correct me if I'm wrong here, but you you're you and Alvin's daughter drives for Coleman Proctor too. So she's on the road. Yeah. I went to school at the same time as as Callie Adams from Montana the director of events. Yes. Uh they were both in tourism.
3: Tourism and recreating. Yeah. Yeah. So Callie she's going around to events and and Tiffany is is doing a lot of great things for a lot of great athletes out there and um she's she's like one of my heroes out there and and so if you listen to coleman's podcast when he talks about um t tiff that's who he's talking about my daughter
1: um okay sorry ranch grown we got to keep back get back to that
3: so ranch grown so i met my brother josen and he's got a um a ranch over in hall montana and we were getting ready uh to ship calves. And you know what it's like when you're shipping calves. So he's got the heifer pen, I he got the steer pen. And I'm showing up there and I'm kind of a younger yellow horse. Uh, and and kind of feeling fresh that morning. And and they're very specific on how we bring those cattle in and what we're doing to push those calves. So we we broke off and we headed to bring in this pen, and that's where this horse. Call him shine because he was he was a handful and he got to this crick really to jump and it wasn't that bad, but it looked like a ravine to him. And but we made it over. We get our little bunch and we're starting to push back and we've got to make the timing right to get to the trucks to ship. And we come to this crick ravine again, turned into the Grand Canyon, and this horse is not gonna go over. And so I was sitting there and watching and just kinda of, I'm going okay. And you know what happens? You start looking down. And so I'm looking at those rocks. I'm looking at everything. and I'm going, this isn't going to end good. I'm thinking kind of some stinking thinking there going on it. And, uh, my brother, John was coming. He saw what was happening. he came and he was a little bit above me and he comes riding back over. And he goes, Judy, look up. <laughs> and I'll be dang. Once I looked up and released that, that horse just jumped that down. So what that taught me is that in business or in life, when we start looking down and we start getting into it, that will make us stop. If we're looking up and we're actually looking at our vision, it's like dreams, you know, dreams give us purpose with that purpose direction. If we know what the direction is, that did it. And it's for me, I was ranch going last You keep looking where you want to go, not here, because that's where you're going to do it. Mm -hmm. It was awesome. And there's so many of those out there.
1: Well, I think when the first uh, iteration of that that I heard was at Donnie Johansson's and his brothers' their steer riding school. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the, one of the first lines was, "You where you look when you're riding is where you're gonna go." See, there you go. Right. So, so in bull riding, if you're steer riding at the time, you look at the ground. That's where you're gonna go. Right. If you want to get off properly, look behind you at the ground, and you're pro- and you're gonna go right there. So. So is that similar. one of those
3: deal where you can kind of say, you know, you don't let, you know talent go to pasture there you kind of listen to some of this stuff there <laughs> True, a little right bit,
1: right <laughs> yeah th- that was uh i mean the bull riding side of things anybody that we knew that was you know didn't want to want it that bad which was me at times in the bull riding because i was terrified right uh, that was it that's where i was going was on the ground right right like, absolutely um you talked about well i guess we got to get to the next piece of things too here judy though the uh the well montana socialists you you uh I guess we're the CMO the last couple of years here. And now you're on the brand advocate side of things. Um, Montana's hired a, a new, a new VP. A new uh, VP Marshall Smith right?
3: will yeah. be taking over from Montana yeah. here now here at Dallas market. And I will take in a new role, basically uh a brand advocate, if you will. I'm hopeful to go out and see what opportunities are there, uh, leverage some of the relationships that are out there. As I mentioned to you before, I really enjoy mentorship. I'll be headed to Art of the Cowgirl uh, this weekend uh, in celebration of my friend Tammy Pate, as well as uh, in support of the Art of the Cowgirl. And then later on um, in March, I'll be heading down to 30 Under 30, um, and supporting cowgirl that. magazine, right? Yeah. Cowgirl yeah. magazine. And just, uh, you know, the young talent out there, just, um, as I mentioned before, you know, with what we've done with Miss Rodeo America or, or any young talent out there, is is supporting them and, and helping facilitate them however I can as a mentor.
1: The, the, uh, one of the things you mentioned was that you are, you got asked to speak had a couple of things that that's something a bit is that a bit newer for you maybe or
3: Oh no, I, as I don't know why but my husband Alvin he was a he was the national director for the state of Montana when my kids were in high school for and, the high
1: school association.
3: Yeah, for Montana. Yeah. And and so the kids were going in for whatever reason. I would I would do weird things. I'd had talk to the kids all the time. I I'd, I'd give them Lenny speeches and just motivate them or whatever. So I've, I've always been talking. I'm a talker. Mm-hmm. And I've given speeches throughout my life but minimal. And it still blows my mind that people would want to listen to me because I don't finish <laughs> sentences and I carry on crazy. Um, but I'm really passionate about it and I'm, I'm thrilled to be able to, uh, to help where I can.
1: But you're going to be speaking at the 30 under 30 conference or the get together. Well, I forget what it's called, but their event, right? Is that we're, we're, you're we're working, working on it on that. Yeah. Okay.
3: Yes, but I'm I'm also a big uh, supporter of that, so I will be, and I have spoken there and given them gifts from Montana Silversmith uh, to the each class uh, for the last four years there. So
1: oh, that's fun. Yeah, really fun. So moving on from the Montana Silversmith side of things, as far as full time goes, but spending more time in Wickenburg, uh, getting some golfing. I know you said you and Alton I'm gonna
3: B- do some golfing, I'm gonna right? do some roping. I uh, have yeah. a beautiful grandbaby, Westy Rain, and yeah. uh, gonna be doing that.
1: Oh, that'll be fun. A lot yeah. of fun. Yep. But looking back at your time at Montana, the last twenty four, you know, maybe twenty five years. By the time you right. you do maybe wrap it up, maybe stay on as a brand ambassador. I don't I don't know what the next plan is. But right. but what looking back, what what are your uh, most cherished memories, or what what are you going to remember the most?
3: Really, the people, getting to share the stories, um, those relationships, the crazy things that we've done and have been successful at, just because of you know hard work, passion uh the talent that's there and getting to share that with the world the
1: one one neat thing with montana and even even for even for this i mean you know honestly on the on the brand ambassador side and and different things but like steve miller was in that similar role for for a long time too mm-hmm. uh previously was sales manager is that right or what? Mm-hmm. yeah vp vp so, so people people that go to work with montana for the most part in from what I know, uh, Donnie worked for the like Donnie Johansson, who I took over for as the Alberta sales rep. He worked for Montana. He worked for Award Design before Montana even yes, too. He did. So he would have been like he's been in the industry. I want to say since the early to mid '80s, if I remember right.
3: Probably yeah. And I
1: don't know when he started with Award Design, but he got his spurs and buckle from Montana, and I think they said oh three, two twenty, twenty. 2020, 2021. I forget what the exact dates were, but he was with them before. Uh, But uh, what my point is, is that a lot of people with Montana are there for a long time. Yeah, I always
3: say if you work for Montana, your your blood runs blue.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You you know,
3: you're in and out. It just it just does. There's a pride there um, and it's a family.
1: And and but and so but but why though? Like people are there for 35, forty, like why it's it's family, like you say. Yeah,
3: maybe it's something in the water. We're on the banks of the Yellowstone. I I don't know. Um, uh, but there's a magic within that. And maybe it's that emotional tie that I talked to you about. You know, it's not so much what we make, it's it's how we receive it.
1: And the, like what I feel is it's number one, it's the family side of things, but people are looking after each other there. It's this not like real- yeah right? that's how we should do yeah like you're you're uh and i mean honestly like you're not getting fired from montana from from your pre- previous position you have a different one yes. right if they yeah. if they didn't have a heart they would have been like I oh love sorry it's it. time i'm still See waiting
3: for the brand i'm just riding with the loose rein yeah yeah
1: but they're but they're still looking after like they're still looking after yeah. us all right there you go yeah the, okay so i want to get to uh a couple more things before i wrap it up you got to go to a meeting here soon but um I want to talk more about Art of the Cowgirl, and then I want to talk about the award you won there too. The the uh, Women of the West, you were the first uh, the first winner, first recipient of this award, and you got a Montana buckle to show for it. They do 2019. But talk about this event because I've never been. I've heard lots about it, but we actually fly out of here on Sunday, and I'm gonna. I my intention is to go over there on Sunday and go check it out and see what the event's all about.
3: I want to say um, that Tammy Pate and her vision there, and I I've talked about it before, but her dream. Uh, really was to elevate, um, you know, the cowgirl, to showcase the art, and whether that be in the arena, equine, um, an artist, whatever that is, people who work cattle, uh, all of the aspects of being a true cowgirl, and what that means um, to each of us. She created an atmosphere of elevation, if you will, she raised the bar. And um, I do believe that the single best thing she did is in her dream, that seed, she nurtured that dream. And she brought in a tight circle of people that also believed in it. And from that has increased that that circle of influence, if you will. Now there's sponsors all over the industry now being a part of it. And you you know how it is when you come up with an idea like nobody's going to do it. She had it. She had it in her heart. And the very first one I went to in 2019, I remember walking in the doors, or into that venue, and just going, "Whoa, this is electric!" There was something very different and very special about it, and I'm excited you're going to come over and experience it because it really is very great.
1: And and you're speaking at her at her service on Sunday. I am. Talk about the friend she was with to you.
3: Yes, um, really going to um. I've been friends of Tammy for a long time. Um, her parents. Uh, the Clark's and and the Pates and it's it's an honor and a privilege to be able to do that.
1: The uh, the event and the the award. Talk about the award that you won. Uh,
3: that was actually you know Tammy. I was a, I was a mentor of hers when she was a young girl. Um, I helped her when she ran for Miss Rodeo Montana. Put on a big um, fundraiser, if you will. They didn't do it at that time, so we had a live art action, a dance, um, a style show, and raised money uh, for her. Um, and, and so we just were in and out of our lives for a long time and, um, she facilitated and, and she came back and when she started with the art of the cowgirl, uh, she got with Western Horseman and, um, the, created this award and I was the first recipient in 2019.
1: What did it mean to you at the time to win the award? And what does it mean now a couple of years later after this will be the fifth one, I guess, in 2024.
3: Right. It it's a huge honor and I'm just blown away of all of the great cowgirls in this, in this country, you know, and, and to be recognized in the, in that manner. And now looking back at it, such a responsibility, maybe that's why I need, I need to invest in others and give back. And again, going to that point, every time you give, you get way more back. And that's what I intend to do.
1: He, uh, I'm impressed by the, by the artist side, of it. I know it's called Art of the Cowgirl, but it's, I think, I, I guess I could say horsemanship is an art and the actual art that is created, whether it's a leather good or it's a, it's a painting or whatnot, but, but riding is kind of like, I could say it would be a riding, riding is a dance. It's a, it's a, there's an art form to Absolutely. training horses and you, and that's what they're featuring at the event.
3: They feature that. And, and again, like, Painting and braiding and you name it. It is all there. And uh, that's what I loved about that. Silver
1: artistry is there. Silver
3: artistry and, you know, bit making, whatever it is, it's all there. And it's very inclusive. So you can see anything there and really touch whoever the fan is or or anyone that comes there. There's something there for you at the Art of the Cowgirl.
1: I uh, just remembered, too, that Nikki Flundra is part of it this year. From back home, uh used to be Nikki Kamart, but the her Liberty horse acts too, that's absolutely an art yes. as well. Right. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So, you know, trick ready. I mean, yeah, it's a family affair. You see mothers and daughters and friends and everybody coming in there, and that's where the magic is.
1: I'm looking forward to seeing it. I kind of yeah. I'm I'm glad it's still on, on the Sunday yeah. so I can skip by. But um, okay, I guess uh just a couple more things, right? So if you were going to create something i've i've kind of asked a few people this over the years just like out of my curiosity but but the brand ambassador side of things with montana the the maybe the speaking uh the mentorship if you were creating your ideal next 5 10 15 20 years what does it look like
3: holy smokes i got i got asked a a question like that by uh, someone when i was on Evine tv and selling stuff and she looked at me and she says if you could have any wish in the world, what would your <laughs> wish be? And I remember going, ah, tearing the headlights. I have no yeah. idea. I'm going to tell you what your wish, you know. Yeah. My wish is that your wish comes true. I, uh, I, yeah, I, I don't really know. I guess uh, next, uh, I'm in my fourth quarter, if you will. Yeah. Uh, next phase is to uh, really enjoy and to be happy and to be in the moment of wherever that is. And I'm really taking it one day at a time and really being open to what is out there because I feel that everything happens for a reason and we're having this conversation right now and whatever is going to come tomorrow I'm just going to take it with open arms to see where it's going to go where it's going to be.
1: I've got to put myself in your shoes a little bit though and and think about it and we were talking at breakfast where uh, I feel like I was in a bit of a similar position one time with something and when that piece changed and I was very passionate about at the time but but then I had all this more, all this time to create something else, right? And that's when we had the time to create our cowboy shit brand. Like Storm asked me, "Hey, we should do this," and and you know, look at where we look at where we are now. There you go. This stuff, and you know, the hat with the uh, with Cheyenne Frontier Days. Like, nice. who'd ever thought we'd have right. have have that right? Right. But right. I was in stuck. I was I wouldn't say stuck in this, but I was doing this one thing, and it was taking up a lot of my time. And and when that went away, then I kind of stepped back, took a breath, and I was like, wow. Like, and then COVID happened and then I really stepped back and I'm kind of like, <laughs> okay, so what are we going to do now? Yep. And then yep. I got more into golf, but, but I feel like, I feel like this is kind of a, and I'm like, it's probably totally different, but it, we can draw parallels if not, but like, but I, 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 I hope the best for you with whatever the next piece is. I, I, Aww. I'm looking forward to that Judy. So. All right. Wish well, you thank you. So uh, the name of the show is Cowboy Shit and that's what we've built up over the years. But we also uh, a big part of what we've done lately is cowgirl shit because it's uh, and and I think like I think the cowboy side of it is is kind of a gender neutral term. Like it's 2024 and
3: myself a cowboy.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so 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 it can kind of be either way. But but what's your definition of of cowboy shit or cowgirls? Like what is what is your definition of that?
3: (laughs) That goes back to ranch girl logic kind of deal. You know, like stuff's going to happen in our lives. We just got to take it, roll with it and go on and we have to do what it takes and that's kind of what it is
1: well judy this was a, a great visit thanks for taking the time this morning and uh thanks for thanks for visiting with us
3: it's been a pleasure appreciate you and I'm, you're right you are a diamond in the rough <laughs>
1: well thanks maybe that should be one of uh maybe another design i wonder there how you we go. could do that all right okay once again thanks for listening my name is ted stoven our guest this week judy wagner uh with montana silversmiths for a lot of her career uh, the creator of Gator Ropes back in the day too, um, you know a pioneer in the in the Western world, Judy, and I uh, appreciate you taking the time to tell us some stories.
3: Thank you, it was great. Awesome. Bye.
0: But my father wrote a check that I bet his ass could never catch He's betting on the eight ball, landing in the sidewalk Cold-blooded killer if you ask But every night he needs me to land himself a red three Corner pocket at 12 a.m. Only 12 years old, but I got a hold of a post-it I was gifted from him My father is a betting man but I got myself a steady hand. he's sitting in the corner six welcome.
1: welcome back to episode 163 thanks again to Judy Wagner for joining us on the show this week thanks to everybody for listening this thus far in the show I got a couple more things I want to get to Dustin I had my first opportunity to revisit the Fort Worth stock show and rodeo I went back in 2011 when I was when I was going to school in Vegas, I drove over there with a guy named Josh Darius. He was competing. He actually got second that year, which was pretty cool. He rode three bulls, one of only two guys to ride three. I think Shane Proctor won it. But anyways, we drove over there from Vegas. We got caught in a nasty snowstorm on the way over, and there was no snow plows in Fort Worth or Dallas because they don't get snow very often. It doesn't freeze. So the, there's, uh, the roads are just a complete and utter disaster. Um, but anyways, more of the point of the story the rodeo was at a pretty old building like it was at the will rogers coliseum previously and it was an old rodeo arena right like it was an old dusty old building like it was i don't know probably 100 years old at the time in 2011 and it was pretty nasty pretty much old pretty like pretty overdue overdone and the rodeo i think was like a few, a few people would go. Like a lot of the the Texas guys would go, and I remember Cody Wright won the rodeo that year in the bull in the bronc riding. But the stock's pretty inconsistent. It's just a bunch of like, there's no. It's just a rodeo, right? There's. It didn't seem super special to me. I thought it was cool that they didn't have any sponsors on the like as far as the banners go. It was all on the screen, or it was you know in the program, or it was sponsor reads. There was no actual like sponsor banners, which was kind of interesting to me, but anyways, the arena is pretty old and crappy. The rodeo's not much to write home about. It's kind of, it's pretty iconic with the red, with the white chutes and the red diamonds on them, right? Like that part's pretty recognizable, yeah. but otherwise it's like Fort Worth. You, you, I thought this was some big rodeo and I get there and I'm like, ah, oh, this is not that exciting actually. Like Bob Tallman's announcing that part's cool, but it's not that cool of a rodeo, right? I've been to cooler rodeos other places. So I go back this year and Casey Duggan, with the WCRA he picks me up at the airport we go to his house have uh you know sit around watch well actually watch the watch the Oilers play Nashville that afternoon just kind of hanging out before the all-star break and anyways we go to the rodeo at at Dickies and I've heard things about Dickies and how nice it is and I get to the to the arena um Casey Harp get brings us a pat like a couple passes so we can go check out the show and whatnot so we go right downstairs and go to hospitality and they got a full meal there and Uh, see Tyler and Vanessa Craft and Jake Gardner and we see uh, Cole Ashbacker and see like a whole bunch of the Canadian crew anyway so we have 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 a uh, meal down there catch up with a bunch of folks say hi and then and then I go look at the arena and there's uh, like a VIP area that's just humongous it's the size of I don't know it'd be the size of uh I'm not even sure. It'd be like a whole concourse that you could just sit at, stand at and drink. Like, and I think it's only for like a VIP or like people that are in the suites or like the boxes that are down right by the arena floor, but like unbelievable, awesome place to just stand around, visit with people, stand up and have a drink like on top of the Buck and Chutes, just unbelievable. But the building was totally immaculate built for rodeo. We walked around everywhere underneath. There was hardly any dust anywhere. Like it's like if they built the nutrient center, like the Calgary's nutrient center, but it looked like the inside of, of like a five-star hotel. And that's cool. It was just unbelievable. Like it was totally built for rodeo. You know, I would say that the nutrient is kind of like, they missed a few steps on that thing. Like it was, it's pretty well done, but there's a few things that were missed on it, right. Where this Dickies like the screen. Well, you'll, you'll probably get there sometime because Panther city plays there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. That's, that's their home that's court, their, their home that's arena, their home rink. Yeah. yeah. You so bet.
1: you'll see it for lacrosse and you'll, you'll probably go down there and you'll be like, Oh my God, this is unbelievable. Like you, you won't believe how nice that building is. It's probably the nicest barn in the, in the NLL, but it's that's only cool. for, it's only for the rodeo basically otherwise. So pretty, pretty wild. But anyways, uh, got to give a, give a kudos to Fort Worth and, and that whole community for building that building it, basically exclusively for the Fort Worth stock show but they're the main how tenant. The they probably have thirty-five days. It was it was huge on the Saturday night. I think the they can have between nine and eleven thousand there, where the old venue was probably like four or five or something. So the crowds do definitely look light some of the weeknights, but on the other hand, like the tickets are selling are unbelievable. And on the on the I gotta say too on the fashion side, there was a lot of classy people over there. Like I thought that was really neat with like just how well dressed everybody was, and like it just was a really neat, really well done show. Um, Garrett Yerrigan, Anthony Lucia, Bob Tomlin, the whole crew, like those guys did a first class class job. So I was really impressed with, uh, with Fort Worth. Would recommend to any rodeo fan.
2: Put it on the list. You've been to a lot of them. So if you speak highly of something, it's gotta be good.
1: Yeah. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie to somebody. It was unbelievable. Actually, I remember seeing, uh, Cindy Gillis and, uh, and Robert Weiss from the Calgary Stampede in the hallway downstairs. We were talking, we were talking about the... The building and just how unbelievable it was. So it was, it was, oh, it was cool. really neat. I'm glad I got to see it and uh and go check it out again. I would, I would go back just for the venue, just go to check it out again.
2: Well, I look forward to checking it out for some lacrosse action too.
1: Yeah, yeah. Make sure you add that to your list. Yeah, totally. Um, what else though, Dustin? It's kind of probably almost it, eh?
2: Yeah, it's good. Another great show. Looking forward to the next one. And uh you got the Cowboys hockey tournament coming up next Anna.
1: weekend. a baby this weekend yeah this weekend coming up so you're moving again what is this seven times in the last two years
2: <laughs> i i think so yeah i'm a sucker
1: you guys buying a house in calgary soon or what
2: well still undecided don't know, yet.
1: don't know are you guys gonna be full-time Take calgarians home. soon
2: we might be never thought it would happen but here we are
1: oh man what uh what are you looking forward to this summer what do you what are you what are we uh what are we looking at in the next couple months
2: Oh, you know, not really sure. Getting through this first season with the roughnecks and and uh, you know, talking this summer about a little more golf, a little more lake time, and trying to enjoy things a bit. So, you know, it's in the rat race. We learned that life is short, so try to enjoy it a little bit more. And and uh, yeah, just just getting through the last bit of winter and already ready for summer. So looking forward to another good rodeo season once again. Getting back on the trail as well so
1: absolutely awesome okay well thanks everybody for listening thanks to sean morton once again making a sound good all the time storm defoe appreciate all the work all the time dustin thanks for doing the show with me thanks for making it work
2: always great my friend we'll uh we'll see you back up here and on the ice again soon.
1: soon 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 all right everybody thanks again
0: Please She'd have said yes In a New York minute They never tied a knot His heart wasn't in it He just stole a kiss as he rode away He never hung his hat up At Kitty's place I should have been a cowboy I should have learned to and ride, Wearing my sex shoe Riding my pony Like Gene and Roy singing those campfire songs. Oh, I should've been a cowboy.